Well, welcome. Thank you for tuning in today. This is WNZN Radio, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio, 89.1 FM Radio, and thank you for tuning in. If you have any trouble hearing us, you might want to live stream us on your computer. Just go to www.wnzn.org. So, it's a beautiful early spring day, kind of cold in the uh, taping today with my good friend David Abu. David? Hey, Jan. Great to be here board. again with you today. With, uh, you know, we're coming into the Good Friday and then followed yeah. by Easter Sunday, which we're going to spend some time on next week talking about both those things. But what I really wanted us to look at, David, was the basis of our belief, which is the Bible. Yep. And look at different particulars of the Bible and how it's influenced not just the church, but actually civilization itself. Mm -hmm. Even the benefits for non-believers all through history. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it says in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for yeah. doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The key there is, number one, all Scripture, that's Old Testament, New Testament, is given. In other words, it's a gift by God. Inspiration means God breathed. So yes. we're going to look at how God moved on these authors. And the Bible essentially is a library. It comes from the the Latin word biblio, which means books, yeah, uh, 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 a collection of books. It's 66 books. It has approximately 40 authors mm -hmm. uh, with backgrounds as diverse as uh, shepherds, kings, farmers, priests, poets, yeah. scribes, fishermen, tax collectors, doctors. So a wide variety of professions all through these maybe... Old Testament, it took about 1,500 years. Yeah, think about that. But 40 different authors. New Testament, yeah. less than a century right? To, to, to write. Right. And then put it together in what we call the Bible today or the canon, uh, which means the collection of the books together. And thus we have, you know, the 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Yeah. And we're going to look at just how that's put together. And maybe you're going to bring in a couple of facts, David. Well, yeah. Um, you know, some of the fun facts are, um, you know, it's not the dictionary or even the thesaurus. Uh, but when you think about how many books have been sold, over 100 million Bibles in a year are sold. Mm -hmm. Over 100 million. Uh, and you also take a look that the Bible has been translated into over 690 languages. And the average Bible has 1,200 pages, so, you know, it is pretty long in length. But the essential facts are what you said. You talked about the various books uh, written as early as 1,200 B.C. The Old Testament is the oldest book. And then um, the, the other thing I wrote down, which I like, is uh, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, the shortest verse in the Bible I wrote, I like this, John 11:35. It just says Jesus yeah, wept. Right. Okay, so that's, that's a verse. So what's yeah? And, know, and the oldest, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. So that was another one there. Yeah, the longest uh, because and that's all about the Word of God. Yeah. Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. The shortest chapter is Psalm 117 with just two verses, uh, yeah. right? Uh -huh. The middle chapter in the Bible, if you do put all the chapters together, mm -hmm. is it's Psalm 118. And if you look, when they did a study 
about that there's 594 chapters before Psalm 118. Yeah. There's 594 chapters after it. When you add the number of chapters before Psalms and those after, it's 1,118. And the verse at the center of the Bible is 118, chapter 118, verse 8, which says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. That is the middle verse of the Bible. Yeah. It's right in the middle. Yeah. The biggest verse, chapter, is Psalm 119. Shortest, Psalm 117. And right in the middle is that Psalm 118. Yeah. And there you have the middle verse. And then the, also, what, this is important to know, too, the Bible's grouped into five classifications, John, right? Um, hmm. The historical books, books of poetry, prophetic books, epistles, which is a writing directed or sent to a person or group of people. And we saw the prophets do that a lot. And then the gospels. Is right. Is that right? Is that the way it's all set yeah, up? Yeah. I mean, there's apocalyptic. It's what they call genres or uh -huh. style of literature. Mm -hmm. So you have. You have history, you have commandments or laws that are given. Right. You have proverbs, you have parables. None of these are the same. You know, they're different in the way they're put together. Then you have sermon messages in there. You have songs. Uh, you have proverbs, which are little short little snippets of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, then you have what's called apocalyptic, which is uh, usually has something to do with the end of the age, or it's very symbolic. Uh, so when you look at those, they're very different, but they, they, they all come together in a united theme. And the way I look at it, if you think of the human body, it's got two parts. We've got yeah. two legs, two arms, two eyes, two ears. So, too, the Bible has two parts. It has the Old Testament, has the New Testament. Well, like the human body, uh, it has different systems. We have a muscle system, nervous system, endocrine, digestive system, um, a skeletal system, right? different in size, different in tissue strength, all different when you look at them, but they all form together in unison for the body. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's interesting about the body, like the Bible, wherever you cut the body, it bleeds. Yeah. And wherever you look, starting in Genesis, you see without the shedding of blood, there's, there's no remission of sins. And you look at the end of the Bible, you see the lamb as it was slain. Mm -hmm. So you see this idea of blood runs throughout. It's called yeah. the scarlet thread of the Bible. The other thing similar to the human body mm -hmm. is the human body comes to life when it gets breath. Yeah. And the yeah. Bible is inspired or God breathed. Mm -hmm. yeah. So these help you understand the Bible better. Yeah. When you understand it's a singular system loaded with different kind of um, styles of literature. Yeah. Uh, types of authors, they write differently. Some are more instructive, some are more pastoral, some are more prophetic, mm -hmm. but they all come together into one story. That's the key. That, that's, that's the amazing part because, you know, you said over 1,500 years, mm. the Old Testament was a majority of that, but 40 different authors, they weren't sitting together. It just came together like a perfect puzzle. I wrote down uh, what Jesus said about God's Word. I wrote two quotes which uh. I liked. In John 10.35, the New Testament, he says the scriptures cannot be broken. Right. So I know a lot of people, you brought this up to me when we were first studying, a lot of people have taken aim at it to try and say, well, that's not historical or that's not correct. Uh, you know. And then also in Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them meaning that Jesus believed and trusted in the Old Testament law and prophets. 
And Jesus also said it, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's why you need the Bible. When you take a look at when uh, the enemy uh, came uh, to Jesus when he was fasting those 40 days to get ready for his mission, he was tempted, but Jesus threw the word on him. Yeah. And so, you know, he, you know, and that's where he said, man cannot live by bread alone. When Jesus was hungry, he brought him food. He was going to give him all the, the world. Exactly. And he kept using the Bible to spin it with his sword as the word. Um, so when you see that Jesus said it's critical and that we have to know this as Christians. Oh, yeah. We have to know this to be in this world and to understand what's going on. That's really when you take note on top of the fact that you then can understand and believe this is the word of God. Yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned that where Jesus talked that scripture cannot be broken. Yeah. Here's what it says Peter saying in his letter, Second yeah. Peter chapter 3, verse mm. 16. He says, also in all of Paul's epistles, speaking of those things, in some of them there are things that are difficult to understand, which unlearned and unstable people twist to their own destruction yeah. as they do to other parts of the scriptures. So if you look at how cults start, they'll take something and in the scripture, like they'll say uh, when it says in John chapter 1, uh -huh. um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, they'll go, that's not the God, that's a God. That's a lesser God. They'll diminish the deity of Jesus Christ. Right. They'll diminish his, others will say, they'll take the crucifixion. Or the see they twist the scripture and they break it apart. Yeah. But it can't be broken apart. It's like yep. fine china mm -hmm. or a really beautiful Swiss watch. Remember those in the old yeah. days when you took the yep. back lid off and you look, all you see mm -hmm. is these gears mm -hmm. moving around with little jewels. They don't make them like that right. anymore. Right. It's just gorgeous. So to the Bible, when you see how these things all clip together and work together, it's a perfect system that Jesus says, if you study this, you'll know it's of God. You'll know this is of God. Yes. You know, the, one of the problems, David, is mm -hmm. you must have the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the only book that um, you have to know the author to understand the yeah. book. And that's why it'll right. say this in Corinthians. Yep. I'm just going to read this real quickly. And Jesus says, those that are, though my sheep hear my voice, and another they will not follow. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not even hungry for the Word of God. Here's what it says. Mm -hmm. It says... Um, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Remember yeah. I said about the yeah. word of God, it's yeah. given to us by yeah. God. These things we speak not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but by the Holy Spirit, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's good teaching. You compare spiritual with spiritual. And this is this. But the natural man, that's the unbeliever, does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. And then it says, verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them, but we have the mind of Christ. So once you have the Holy Spirit, you can start understanding it. When I was growing up, especially when yeah. I left home and went overseas during yeah. the Vietnam War, I was in Thailand at the time, I was very interested in Eastern religions. I could mm -hmm. understand principles of Buddhism and Taoism and other kind of philosophies. But the Bible didn't hold that interest to me. I, I looked at it, I glanced at it a little bit, but in my spiritual kind of quest, right. that wasn't big on my list. Once I came to Christ, received Christ as my Lord and Savior in July of 1975, then boom, the Bible really became my book. As it says in First Peter, 
as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word. So I started learning. These people were teaching me, and I could get it. I, got, I understood the Gospels more. I understood the deity of Jesus Christ, the new birth. And these other things, they just mm -hmm. didn't have an appeal to me anymore. Yeah. All these other systems. I would Later, I would study only to help people that were involved in those kind of things when I was sharing the Gospel. But all of a sudden, when you have the Holy Spirit, it opens up. It opens up to you. Am I right? Yeah. No question about it. Um, Again, you and I were server boys, right? <laughs> and um, I, I didn't know anything about the Bible when I was a kid. Uh, you know, and so, but as you said, John, the minute we took uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior and became Christians, um, and you pray for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes while you're reading it before I start, that's a trick you, you gave me uh, or something to do. Not uh -huh. a trick, but just, uh, you know, something that you... You want to do that that was a game changer yeah there's still a lot of stuff i don't understand but now it's a lot easier to digest there's yeah. no question about it well you know all of civilization is yeah. based on, on on the word here's what dl moody says the scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge but to change our lives yeah john ruskin said this in the early 1900 the bible is the one book in which any thoughtful man may go with any honest question of life or destiny and find the answer of God by honest searching. These are great men of God. And also in government and sports, there's really, when you look at history um, and the influence the Bible had on art, on music, on literature, let alone on works of compassion, um, literacy, leprosy reform, mm -hmm. abolition of slavery, all through, where did it come from? Sir Francis Bacon said this, there never was found in any age of the world either religion or law that did so highly exalt the public good as the Bible. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, it's... A, it's, um, it's not just a popular book. You know, we said this before, it's God's owner's manual for life. You know, um, it, it's when you take a look at it, you know, it gives advice on how to solve problems of any kind. Love problems, uh, problems at work, Problems with your family, yeah. problems with your kids. Um, stress, stress, anxiety, yes. depression. Yes, fear is a huge one. That's where the enemy comes in too. But, but th that's, that's the value of the book. Here's the, how, the, can you, how can you afford not to read it and not to have it uh, on your shelf? Well, really, I mean, that, that's, you know, I, I guess, well, no, I, I, I can answer that question myself. Uh, it took, you know, it was about eight years ago that I finally took it seriously, seven years ago, really, when you came back from WEC as the president, and we started to really get into this stuff when I looked at my notes. And I got to tell you, um, you start to think through all of the self-help books yeah. that you thought were important, at yeah. least I did, in terms of, you know, business books, uh, self-help books, all those things. And you realize that, that this book can do it all for you. Yeah, it, right. it's, it's singular. Yeah. And uh, it's concise. You know, you can look at it sideways, you know, standing on your head. It's the same thing, yeah. true and true. Right. So, you know, yeah. the Bible, full translation of the Bible is now in 532 language. It's been partially translated into 2,883 languages. The Bible, as you say, is exceeded in total sales approximately 5 billion copies. Now, there's yeah. 7.5 billion people on planet Earth. It's saying this, over the period of history, 5 billion, billion with a B have been sold. 
The Gutenberg Bible was the first book to be printed using movable metal type, the Gutenberg yeah, uh -huh. Press, in 1455 A.D. The Bible is the most stolen book in the world. Right. You know why? No, it's in the hotels, hotels and churches. Yes. Yep. And actually, Gideon's Bible Society, as well as Wycliffe, uh -huh. they almost encourage you to take it. If you really want a Bible, they tell you to take the Bible. But think about this, David. Think of a best-selling book that yeah. was really on the New York Times best-selling list for maybe six months or a year. But what happens after 10 years? Yeah. It's on the second shelf. It's on the third shelf. It's out of, it's out of print. You know, It doesn't have much oh. of a shelf life. The Bible is as fresh today is best-selling today, is applicable today, as it was forever. Jesus says, heaven and earth shall pass away, mm -hmm. but my word will endure forever. People that really study the Bible will say, the longer you study it, the slower you read it. Because you're getting meaning yeah. and purpose out mm -hmm. of just little verses you might have scanned by before. It's I, that wealthy. Well, when you take a look at the secular world and you, and you look at some of those other books that, that you know, were big time sellers. You know, you look mm. at the Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, over 200 million copies sold. Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien, 150 million sold. The Bible's 100 million a year. Right, right. It's not decreasing. So, right. So. And that's that's yeah. true because, um, for example, it says in Psalm 119, verse 89, mm -hmm. forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. Right. It's immovable. This thing isn't going anywhere. You know, where people attack yeah. it, they try to um, dismantle it in ways, and, and you know, but, but in the end, they go, it stays. Mm -hmm. You see, even the books they write against it, you can't even hardly find these unless they're out of print or you've got to yeah. get a special order. Right. The Bible is so accessible today. And the, the other thing is, John, I don't know if I have this right, but I wrote down that there's over 6,000 prophecies in the Bible. Mm -hmm. There are more than 3,000 prophecy verses in the Bible that have already come true in some way, and around 3,000 more prophecies are yet to come to completion. Mm -hmm. I assume that ties into Revelations and everything else uh, that they're referring to there. But it, it, that's amazing. Well, that's, that's, that's God, when he yeah. speaks... Um, it's going to happen, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and the Bible clearly says that, that he will tell you things that are going to happen before they come to pass that you might know uh, that he is God. Yeah. And there's nobody like him in that. That's why when you look at something like Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that's a book in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. But it says, out of you, Bethlehem, right. though you be little among the villages, out of you shall come him who is from eternity. Yeah. Well, who is from eternity? Jesus. Well, how did he come from Bethlehem? Well, he was born in Bethlehem 500 years later. Yeah. So you're getting incredible prophecies that are ringing true. And that's why there's no other book that has this ability to prophesy something uh, 500 years, 1,000 years in the future, yeah. like the Bible. And, you know, the, the, other, the other key point is that the Bible makes a very distinctive claim that God exists, number one. Mm -hmm. It also claims that he chose to communicate with us through his creation, uh, our moral conscience, and via the Bible. But Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. Right. And that the only way for human beings to be saved is through him, John 14, 6. That's important stuff you need to know. Uh, exactly right. Because when you, when you study the scripture like that and you, and you look at what is the main theme, the main theme is you have a holy God yeah. and you have a sinful man. And the Bible tells you exactly how the God created. It was a very orderly creation. 
But when he comes to man, he mankind, he, he gets involved like a, uh, in the clay, like a potter. Fashions man, breathes into him, man becomes a living soul. Even somebody that's not a believer will say there's a big difference between a human being and, and, a, and an animal or an insect or a planet or a tree. There's something different. We speak. We, mm -hmm. we, we're capable of abstract thought. Yeah. We can write down ideas, on and on and on. So that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible also says the physical part of man will die and it'll go back to the earth, yeah. just like in heaven. See, there's, these things are just there. But the idea being that man, the Bible says man is separated from God through mm -hmm. sin. You know, we broke mm -hmm. laws. And if you look around, you'll see we live in a beautiful world, but it's broken. It's broken. You can see it. There's death. There's mm -hmm. disease. There's suffering. There's tears. There's crying. There's all kinds of wicked things happening, as well as natural tsunamis and volcanoes and earthquakes. But that wasn't the way God made it. At the end of the book, he restores everything. So you see this full, it's a story. It's a story. It just happens to be a true story. And a story has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an ending. But the uh, stories have characters. They have antagonists and protagonists and plot lines. The Bible has that. But the, the stories also have where a climactic moment in the story when things come. And that's when Jesus comes to the earth. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Mm -hmm. Everything changed. Everything in the Old Testament points to that. Yeah. After the Old Testament, starting with the book of Acts, what it, and to where we sit today, tells you the aftermath yeah. of what happened when Jesus came. And so, but John, what's one of the biggest, when you were a kid even, uh -huh. I, I know when I was a kid, even as I've become an adult, the biggest question I always I always had for myself is, why am I here? Uh -huh. it, does God exist? Uh -huh. What is the purpose of my life? That's where you get those answers. Yes, exactly right. I mean, the, those, are the, those are the key questions most people will ask during the course of their lifetime. Why wouldn't you want to go get the answers? Exactly right, David. You know, it's very interesting you say that, because I believe all people, to some capacity, will, will ask that question. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into the hearts of men. There's something inside us that craves more than just, mm -hmm. okay, you're going to work 40 years, you're going to get a watch, you're going to yeah. retire in Florida, and then you're going to die kind of a thing. There's more to life. Right. There's big mysteries. And that's why... There's four major questions. They, what philosophers and theologians, mm -hmm. mankind has asked through those, those kind of questions you asked when you were a child yeah. and when I was growing up. Yeah. Number one is origin. Mm -hmm. How did this all start? You look around and you think, why, why is there something rather than nothing? Why are we sitting here at a desk mm -hmm. in 2021 and this big orb in the right. sky gives us light and it's going to go out in about six hours and then it's going to get dark? What, I mean, what is going on here? That's origin now some people say there's a big bang it was all accidental others say it's all an imagination it's like a, mm -hmm. an illusion it's yeah. made or it's created and the second question is meaning does life have meaning or purpose or do we eat drink and be merry for tomorrow you die just get as many toys as you can and die young die rich whatever but just or does it have meaning and the bible says it has high meaning yes. we're, we're put here to glorify god yeah number three is there a code of conduct? Is there a morality I should yeah. live by? And if there is, who's going to tell me what is right and what's yeah. wrong? And number four, which maybe is the biggest question, is destiny. Mm -hmm. What happens when we die? Right. Now, usually there's three major responses to the death issue. A, nothing. 
an atheist would say, when it's over, it's over. It's secession or everything stops. No personality, no soul, nothing outlives you. Number two, Buddhism, Hinduism would say there's karma. You're going to come back in another life. Mm -hmm. Basically, you pick up debt in this life and you're going to work it on the next life. You're going to go, it's like a wheel, they say, until you can get off the wheel of reincarnation. The third is, no, there's a judgment coming. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. One of those three. So the key on these four main questions, David, is the source of authority. What, what tells you mm -hmm. how this world began? Right. Uh, like I said, there's different yeah. explanations. What tells you uh, if there's meaning in life? It could be a book mm -hmm. like the Quran, the Book mm -hmm. of Mormon, Jehovah Witness have a Bible, the Hindus have a Bible, the Scientologists have the Book of Dianetics, or the Bible, okay? Well, what we're looking at this afternoon is the Bible has interior proof systems yeah. that'll show you this is your source of authority mm -hmm. to answer those big questions of life. Yes. It will answer yeah. them. And then it will not only answer them, but then it will fulfill you by having peace, forgiveness of sins, a new life, a new purpose in life, power to live life, right. fellowship with other believers, yeah. and a sense that, hey, life is short, but eternity is long, and the Bible is the best thing to get us there. And, you know... Um, I think a lot of us, there's a lot of people that are chasing the almighty dollar. Mm. And a lot of people think their success in life, including myself, um, I used to say it's about what, what am I achieving materially? What am I achieving on earth? And at the end of the day, when you're close to dying, are you going to be thinking about your bank account or looking for your savior? Yeah, And that... That has been uh, kind of ingrained in my mind. Um, I, I asked myself that a lot, especially when I was coming to the Lord and working with you, and that really drove me to understand the reality of how short a time frame we have here. And when we're old is not the time to look at the Bible. I always thought I'd have time. When I'm retired, I might pick that book up. And, yeah, right. And just relax and get to know the Lord a little bit better. I am so happy that... I didn't wait that long. Yeah, right. And that, you know, um, that I had the ability um, to uh, to connect with you. And uh, so, you know, the, the, this has just been fantastic. Um, Here's it, an Abraham. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dave. Go yeah, go ahead. Abraham Lincoln said this. Uh, this was a, a reply to a committee presenting the Bible. Uh -huh. It is the best gift God has given to men. All the good Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for it, we would not know right from wrong. All things desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter ought to be found portrayed in this book. Abraham Lincoln. Is that your favorite president of all time? I think so because yeah, he, he was I, at such a mine. difficult time. He's mine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were being torn apart. Uh, he was very kind and merciful. Right. He was said to the yeah. South. Mm -hmm. um, he was a very strange kind of guy in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, he healed the country. Yeah. He had incredible like wisdom. And right. insight. Uh, he called the nation to fasting and prayer, I think, twice as a nation. Um, he was a great man. He came from very humble beginnings. It, the, you know, we were just talking about what you just said before the show. Uh, and, you know, to, to your point, there was regular, there was a proclamation during Abraham Lincoln's time for National Day of Fasting and Prayer. 
This was April 30th, 1863. Right in the middle of the war, the yes, Civil War. Where he writes, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. There you go. And now you look at you look at the chaos going on in today's world. Is church in the schools? Do we have a day of fasting and prayer? Where's our Where's our pastors and our ministers standing up to to meet with our our executive branch at the White House to fast and pray? I, man, we have lost it, John. Well, yeah, I mean that, that, that you follow the history of ancient Israel. They right. would do that. And God would cause troubles to bring them back mm -hmm. to themselves. Now, uh, I mean, that, 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 that's a point you should say again. Well, we, you and, know, and because we, a lot of people have asked, what's the purpose of all this that's been going on between the pandemic and everything else? And, right. Well, it says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, whatsoever things happened before time in yeah, the Old Testament yeah. were written for our benefit today that we could learn from it. Okay. So what do we learn? Well, when, when, when Israel, the people of God, and they were a small people, they were not a powerful people, okay? And they were very dependent on God. Because right. when they stayed with God, God could protect them and bless them. And, um, but when they strayed away from God, that's when they would have trouble, okay? Yeah, um, yeah. Because they thought they could do it themselves. They got involved with immorality, with adultery, with idolatry. Point being that God would chastise them. He, they, they would have a famine, they would have drought, they would have disease, an, an enemy would attack, they'd become a debtor nation. Well, look at America. I'm not, I'm, I can't, I'm not a prophet. I don't know what's all that's happening. But we've come through a year of basically a pestilence, a plague. Okay. Yes. Number two, I don't know. We're like $28, $29 trillion in debt. We tend to have open borders. See, uh, there's lot, there's violence on, not just on the streets, but on TV. That little children are being exposed to things that were never viewed, except maybe in an adult world before. So these are all kind of indicators. You know, when you get the red light flashing on your dashboard, you gotta do something. Well, you know, this like an, well, we have red lights dashing, but the key is to return to God. It says this continually in the Book of Judges. <laughs> The people did what was in their own eyes because there was no judge in the land. There was no authority. You know, they weren't under God. Yeah. And so they just did whatever they wanted to do. You know, more, more, look at it. I mean, there's no moral compass anymore. Whatever people want to do, you can do. And we're seeing all kinds of bizarre mm -hmm. behaviors and things that we never thought would happen right. are happening now. I'm going to extend what Lincoln said on that uh, 1863 day of prayer and fasting, John. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom in virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. See, It beho behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Yeah. Boy, does that sound like what we're doing right now? That, that we're not praying, that we have relied on our own intellect and our own um, 
and, and, and so with, and look look what look where the world is right now. Well, yeah. let's look at it for example. Just Chaos one indicator. Over, yeah. They're debating a rule law now in Congress right. that are going to allow men and women, boys and girls, to be on the, not just the same sports teams, but the same locker room, the yeah. same the same bathrooms. I mean, this this is you don't need biblical revelation for this. This no is just common way. sense. Yeah. But we've lost our compass. Yeah. We've lost our way, and that's why the Bible is a lamp unto our feet. The Bible is a sword. The Bible is a shield. The Bible is bread for nourishment in life's journey. The Bible is all of these things, but we've 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 turned our back on it as we a have. people. You yeah. see, now I think there could be a return right. to the Word of God and and to the. But here's here's what yeah. it says in Psalms, and this is really it's kind of indicative of the times we live in. In Psalm two, it says this, and uh, this is one of the most quoted Psalms actually in the New Testament itself. It'll say there, Psalm 2, uh -huh. it says, um, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. The anointed means the Messiah or the anointed mm -hmm. one, Christ is. Yeah. They say, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords. In other words, they don't want no control. Mm -hmm. People don't want to be under the authority. Mm -hmm. Well, who said it's wrong? Nobody, well, God says, well, who cares? You see, then it says this, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. That's God. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He, sp he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in deep displeasure. I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. That's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is the coming Lord. Uh, and then it says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. This is Jesus. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. See his judgment. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Then he says, therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in his way when his wrath is kindled just a little bit. Remember when we were reading Revelation, we saw the wrath of the lamb? In, I believe it's in Revelation chapter. Here it is. It's being kindled. You don't want the wrath of the lamb displayed. But it ends by saying what? Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all may come to repentance. But people go their own way and we just think we can do whatever we want and we're not mm -hmm. accountable we're not responsible and we say it doesn't matter yeah. that god cares you know we're a nation that puts on our coins at one time in god we trust you know no kidding and, so yeah uh, we've lost it john i mean uh we have lost the importance of having god involved in everything we do during the day yeah. from our businesses to our schools to our homes and, uh, and the great leaders of our country clearly understood the value of it. Yeah. Why don't we? Well, I, th I think one thing happened is distraction, David. I sure. think one had one. God really sure. blessed this country. Yeah. Now, we've oh, had yeah. a lot of faults and we've oh. done a lot of failures, but. Um, from sea to shiny sea, it's like the song says, uh, yeah. God has poured out his blessing upon us. And I think we're presuming upon that blessing. Maybe we think that we've done it all. That, you know, look what we did kind oh, of thing. But I mean, that's for sure. he's blessed us in so many ways. But we don't want his hand to be removed from America. Right. You know, he's calling us, I think, to repentance. Mm -hmm. And um, 
this is this is where we're at today. And and to seek God, he he you know he will come, he will heal us and restore our land. It says that in Chronicles. Here's an interesting author writes this about the Bible. I entered the world's great library doors. I crossed their acres of polished floors. I searched and searched their stacks and nooks and settled at last on the book of books, the Bible. It's just what it is. Yeah, the, I, I wrote this down too. The cornerstone of Christian belief is the resurrection of Christ. Even Paul the Apostle admitted that if the resurrection did not happen, Christian faith is futile. You are still in your sins, 1 Corinthians 15, 17. In this sense, making a case for the truth of the res resurrection also makes a case, uh, a case for the truth claims of Jesus and in turn the reliability and truth of the Bible. Right. So we're going to pick up on that. Yeah. What, what I'd like to do is next week as we approach Good Friday and Easter, maybe we have two programs, one about the death of Jesus, mm. the second about his resurrection. And you're right, that is the foundation of the gospel. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, this yeah. was even scholars that aren't believers will right. tell you this is one of their earliest mm -hmm. scriptures written, and they yeah. think it was in the form of a hymn or a, what they call a doxology, a short hymn of right. biblical truth. But here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, the Apostle Paul writing says this, Moreover, brothers, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter sure, 15. I got it, right. verse, you got mm -hmm. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. In other words, you're firm spiritually. By which you also are saved. If you hold fast to that word, there's the word, that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now here it is. For I deliver to you, first of all, in other words, really important, that which I also receive, that Christ died for our sins, what? According to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he arose again on the third day, what? According to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to show all the scriptures that point to his resurrection. We're also going to show historical data. We're also going to show people that weren't associated with Christianity, writers and mm -hmm. historians back in the first century, yeah. Josephus, Pliny, Sosthenes, that make reference. And we're also going to talk about if he didn't rise, then what happened? Because Christianity exploded in a very non-friendly environment. Less than 100 years. And and yeah. if he was if he was a good teacher or a great teacher, mm -hmm. he would have a memorial. You know, he doesn't. I've been to the Israel several times. It's empty where they allege the tomb is. It's, you know, and if the enemies wanted to prove he didn't rise, if it was a false story, the Romans would have dragged that body out and drug it through the streets. Yeah, no problem. We'll get into all of that, and we'll look at the resurrection in, in two mm -hmm. weeks, and then we're going to look at Good Friday, perhaps next week. But again, this idea of the pro you brought it up earlier, David, about the prophetic. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. how, how, how do you, how can you do this? You know, how can you, it says this in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. He says, he says, for I am God and there's nobody like me. I am God and there's none like me. That's in verse nine. Then he says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to tell you something before it happens so that after it happens, you'll know it's me. He says it again in chapter 48, uh, verse 3 of Isaiah. I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth from my mouth, and I caused them to hear it, 
suddenly I did them and they came to pass. You see, verse 5, even from the beginning I have declared it to you. Before it came to pass, I proclaim it to you, lest you should say my idol has done this, my carved image. In other words, he's saying only God can do this because he's out of space and time. Any other religion, they might have good morals or good philosophy, but they can't do this. <laughs> Tell you something a thousand years before the event. Absolutely. With great specif mm -hmm. specificity like mm -hmm. the Bible does, you know. It's just amazing the one yeah. more you get into it, you know. Absolutely. And uh, so as you study the scripture, that's why I look. Psalm 19 is a beautiful psalm in many ways because it has like seven elements of the scripture that benefits us today. And again, Psalm 19 and Psalm 119 are really psalms about the word of God. And it you, says you're going that, to Psalm 19. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And look at verse seven, actually seven through eleven. Um, Okay, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. See that? Refreshing the soul or saving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. There you go. Yeah. See, statutes, law, precepts, that's all referencing to the Word of God. But notice, making wise. We have very intelligent people today. We can put a guy in the moon. We can put a spacecraft on Mars. We can do open-heart surgery. We have iPhones and iPads. But... Yeah. We have knowledge, but do we have wisdom? We have information, but do we have this higher, uh, that this truth doesn't change, you see? Look at the next phrase, he says. Uh, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. See that? It can make you emotionally uh, uplifted, right. you know, strengthened. The, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. There you go. You can be enlightened. You can get a good discernment. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. See that? Men want gold today, wealth, right? I mean, gold has always been That's the basis of wealth. That's what you're talking about, yeah. But it's saying, this is what you want. Mm -hmm. Do this, and God will help you get what you need to live this life. It's sweeter than honey, than the honey from the honeycomb. Mm. By them, your servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. There you go. That's yeah. a very important thing. Yeah. We're warned how not to, what don't do in this yeah. lifetime. That got us in a lot of trouble before. But it also tells us what to do right. to get a reward. Right. Warning and reward. That comes from the Word of God. Yeah, you know? and more precious than gold. I, I think that really has to be another take-home message for a lot of people, the value of this. And, and once you get into it, you know... Uh, it's amazing when your eyes open up. It just, it just, simp it actually simplifies life. Oh yeah. V versus all the chaos going on in the world, this simplifies life. What I have found is, regardless of what's going on with me, good or bad, when I go to my quiet time and start to get into our our show and prep for it, there's a calm feeling mm -hmm. that comes over me. Uh, does that happen to you? Well, the Bible says, "I will keep in perfect peace whose yeah. mind is stayed on me." Well, how do we stay our mind or relax mm -hmm. our mind as you're getting into the Word of God? The Word of God is God speaking to man, okay? Yeah. And it's, it's, there's no other book or inspirational right. book or great book that has that, that mm -hmm. component or that quality. Right. This is God-breathed. So something happens when you read it. Uh, theologians try to describe it, but there's something happens in your inner man where you're partaking it, and it says in the Scripture, I found your... I found your testimonies and they rejoice my heart or they enlighten my eyes. or There's something, and when you get away from it, 
you're just dependent on the world for right. a good time or a, have a joyful mm -hmm. moment or a, go to a mm -hmm. baseball game or something, which isn't bad. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, this has more of a lasting effect. Yes. And, and especially in bad times, especially when people near death and these diff, this is what you want when, you, when you're going through difficulties. Though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for thou art with me. Right. This is, this is, this is what gets us through. You know, the Word of God is, is there. Would you say that's one of the biggest things people fear is death? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. it's the biggest inevitability. Yes. It's the biggest mystery. It's the biggest, uh, I mean, 100% of us, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, nobody gets out of this thing alive, as <laughs> right. they say. Uh, yeah. Because, and see, that's why Christianity I, mm -hmm. is based on the empty tomb. Yeah. If you look, there's a very interesting scripture in Hebrews chapter 2 to that question you just asked, David. Hebrews chapter 2, um, and it says, um, I'm just going to, I don't know if you're there, verse 14, uh, verse 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Okay, <clears throat> 14 and 15. Uh -huh. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. There it is. There it is. Fear of death. Yeah. See, with it, because we're set free of that. And I've been around people, Christians that have gone through death. Most recently, my brother and some others. But when you know the Lord, uh, as Paul says, to be absent mm -hmm. from the body is to be present with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Or he says, I'm in a fix to be. Uh, to go to be with the Lord, you know, they're going to execute him or stay here. Then I'll keep preaching the gospel. So death does not have that same hold on believers. Now, the way you can build this faith up is by increasing your faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can actually increase faith and then be able to go. And then death doesn't have yeah. that same sting. Right. You know, that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Whereas non-believers, there's a fear of death. And, you know, and this it, is a big thing. Yeah, and, and what happens when you have that fear of death? Then this is the only mm. world that you you feel you're going to know. So then what happens? Be, that stresses you out, and then that's where you see a lot of addiction propping up oh, because yeah. you're trying to numb yourself to that fact. Yeah. That you're, you're thinking incorrectly, number one, that this is it. Uh and number two, if you feel this is it, and you start to see the years clicking on, a lot of people just try and numb themselves to that thought. Yeah, they're in a sense of denial. Yeah, you know, they, they, you know, that's why what's big now uh, is life extension, right? And trying to live to be a hundred and try this. Yeah, I think man can probably live a few mm -hmm. more years, but for what? You know, for what? To gain more possessions? Yeah, or I guess. You know, I mean, that's the only thing. But, I... but the, the Jesus will say, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world right. but loses his soul? Right. It says in the book of James, that's this no life Lord. is a vapor. It's like yeah. a puff of smoke. You know, with smoke, yeah. you try to grab it. Think of your own life. Right? Think mm -hmm. of my own life. It doesn't seem like long, that long ago I was in high school or, or, you know, coming home from the military. It just doesn't seem that long ago. But it, all those years are gone, you know, yes. like a, it's just like a wind, like a, like it says in the Bible, just like a whiff of smoke. And, yeah, to your point, death is inevitable. Uh, it's a certainty to it. 
Yeah, but we can prepare for it. Yes. You know, that's the beauty of it all. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Here's another... Well, can, can I read this? Yeah, yeah. This, when I first read the Bible, um, I told you that I love Jesus' character. Uh-huh. That, you know, um, I thought, man, this, this guy is cool because, you know... I, I pictured him throwing tables over, you know, getting riled up in the church. He was drinking wine and partying like every day was a wedding. I thought, okay, I drink wine. I like mm -hmm. this guy. He's cool, you know, different than what I thought. But Jesus was only here, what, about 33 years, yeah. uh, we're estimating? When you, and and I, this stuck with me, too. Uh, Matthew 17, 17, where he gets upset a little bit, and he says, you, believe, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here, here to me. What's that? What that's telling me is he already knows yeah, oh yeah. what heaven is like. Oh, yeah. He knows the perfection. He knows what, what he came down for to bring us up to that. He is excited to get back there as soon as he can. And so if, if God himself is telling us that he's not looking to hang out here with us, he wants to go back into that perfect perfect place right eternity well, yeah i mean you see that in his priestly yeah. prayer in john right. chapter 17 when he says father glorify me with the glory i had with you in the very beginning yep he talks about going back to the father yeah uh he says before abraham was i am so he knew he came to this earth yes. to do his father's will which yep. was present himself for three years he basically presents if you will his credentials who he was the son of god mm -hmm. walks on water raises the dead fulfills prophecy and then ultimately offers up the perfect sacrifice. That's why the sacrificial system stops. Yeah. Uh, Forty years later, the temple's destroyed. The priesthood is gone. Jerusalem is is put under siege by the Romans. No more temple. No more altar. Yeah. Why? The best sacrifice has happened. We'll pick this up when we talk about the crucifixion. But to your point, he came for a limited time. And when John introduces him at the River Jordan, says, "Behold." The, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that was a death sentence. The Lamb mm -hmm. of God was Paschal, was Passover, and they knew that he was going to die. Uh, all of us are born into this world to live, hopefully a long life. He was born into this world to die. And people don't realize that. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, the Bible yeah. says, to take away the sins of the world, to destroy the works of the evil one. How does he do it? through the shed blood on the cross, his burial, his resurrection. And that's right. it. But you're right. We have a three-year window on this man's life. That's it. Think it's... of what he did in three years when he became, uh, I guess when he started in his ministry. Now, did he he had to wait till age 30, right, before anybody would listen to him? Is that no, why that's, he waited? no, they don't know. It does say in the Gospel of Luke that he was 30. Now, okay. 30 was the age that I believe in the Old Testament was the priest would start their ministry. That, yeah, right. It was kind of, mm -hmm. that's when a Jewish person was, rec man was recognized as an adult, a mature adult. Other reasons were in there. But the idea being we got a three-year window on his life. Yeah. I mean, this man changed world history. I don't yes. care, even if you're an unbeliever or a critic of Christianity. We date our calendar by his birth date, okay? He, he, he changed things. Right. But three years? I mean, he, he doesn't come from a big city like Rome or Athens or Carthage, no. Antioch. He comes from a little tiny village that's hardly on the map. Three years? I mean, it's remarkable. He's an itinerant carpenter preacher. 
and he gets this little group of fishermen and a tax collector and yeah. you know these kind of guys and uh all of a sudden the world is shaken so that 2000 years later when we sit here people willingly give their right. lives to him he right. makes drunkards sober immoral people pure mm -hmm. people will say i'll go to a distant land for you i'll lay down my life for you what is going on here you see yeah he is jesus he is the messiah he is the christ he is the son of god he is the savior uh, you know, he is the friend of sinners, you know, fill in the blank. But if you don't know him, if anyone's listening to this, we're almost ready to close, David. But if anybody out there doesn't know him, um, then then you can know him. This is the time of the year to know him. And the Bible clearly says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the privilege to become a child of God. It's yeah. simply receiving a free gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed, there it is, believe on him, should not perish, that's eternal separation, but have everlasting life. It, it, I'm sure we'll bring this up during our resurrection week, but John 11, 25, 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's it. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. There you go. Man. Wow, that's it's, it. Yeah, that's it, John. Again, it, it answers life's biggest question. Right. You know, that's that's the storyline, and you know, the thing is, I, I encourage people that are not believers or never committed their life to Jesus Christ to just look at the story, read the Gospel of John, pray, ask God to reveal Himself, read one chapter per day with an open mind. Yes. There's only there's only 21 chapters in that book. And then see where it takes you, you know, that God will reveal himself. He says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Mm -hmm. You know, and he wants, it's, the Bible says the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10. There's an enemy out there, folks, an unseen enemy, and all kinds of cruelty right. and wickedness is being perturbed out, out there. But the same verse, Jesus says, John chapter 10, verse 10, but I have come that you might have life, salvation, mm -hmm. and life more abundantly. Right. And anybody that truly gets saved, mm -hmm. they will experience uh, a new life. And right. they, they, even people that are being persecuted for their faith, and different, they will still experience that peace God gives, the future that he offers, all of these benefits that come through accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's just hard you know, I think I think people grow up maybe going to church and they get uh, disenfranchised or they get their feelings hurt or some reason or another they leave. But now it's time to come back. And it, it never was about a, a group of people or these said that or that denomination did this. It's about Jesus. The whole thing, man will fail you. Jesus never fails, you know. So I close that. You might have a final note, David. But no, I think I that's a great forward. thing to close on. I look Let's forward to that. next week. Yeah, me too. I think we're going to look at the crucifixion. Okay. We'll up all the prophecies fulfilled in that. Mm -hmm. And then the following week, God willing, we'll look at the resurrection. That is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, the empty tomb. And no other religious leader will claim that. Again, I've been to lead tours to Israel several yeah. times. We go to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. It's empty. They have good reason to believe that was where Jesus rested or, you know, the three days that he was put in the tomb. Um, yeah, we'll look at alternative. There's no alternative explanation, uh, but we'll look at those things when we come up. So once again, David, thanks for being part of it. Oh, Every, yeah, wonderful, John. Thanks for having me. Everybody listening in, have a blessed week and look forward to it. If you can turn in next week to WNZN, uh, we're coming to you, Lorraine, Ohio. 
and uh, Power 89.1 FM Radio. God bless you all. Have a great week. Yes, have a great weekend. Take care.